Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie onto your smartphone using your favourite podcast app or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 11th of December and a very special exclusive interview for you this week. It's with a man whose name you might not recognise but you definitely know his work as he is one of the brains behind Google's Android operating system. Last month he was at the UCD Illumini Awards and spoke to us about the story behind Android, the challenges it faces today and what we might expect to see from Android in the future. Chatting to our editor Niall Kitson, here is Google's Vice President of Engineering, Dave Burke. Uh, I'm here at the uh, O'Reilly Hall in uh, UCD at the 2014 UCD Alumni Awards. I've sort of gate-crashed it. Um, there's all sorts of sound-checking going on around me, but I'm here specifically to meet with Dave Burke, who is Google VP of Engineering and Adjunct Professor to the UCD School of Electrical, Electronic and Communications Engineering. Now, I'm talking to Dave because this is sort of a semi-rare visit for him back to Ireland and in particular to speak at UCD. Um, And uh, to open, Dave, just tell us a little bit about your career today, because you graduated from UCD in 2003, but you've been uh, on a bit of a personal journey since then. Yeah, so uh, I guess I, so I did my PhD in 2003, and then uh, actually overlapping with that, I start, started a company called uh, Voxpilot in Dublin. So we had offices in Dublin and Paris, uh, and I was the CTO. Um, and so that was like my first kind of real job, um, and I was sort of thrown in the deep end, because I suppose at the time when we started the company in 2000, there wasn't such a vibrant sort of startup scene in, in Dublin, so not a lot of mentorship going around. So uh, the result was, you know, kind of learned on the job. Um, which has been pretty amazing because now I like literally, you know, I have HR people saying, "Hey, you should go on a leadership course." I'm like, "I don't need to go on a leadership course. I've made every single mistake in the book uh, <laughs> and learned from it." So, uh, uh, so yeah, so so I worked in that company until uh, 2007. It was really exciting, you know, sort of cutting edge technology and and uh, especially, you know, we were applying speech recognition to to mobile phones. Um, so it's sort of a little ahead of its time in some ways, actually. Um, but then, you know, at a certain point, I, I figured it was time to, to try working, you know, sort of in a bigger pond, right? Like, try working in a bigger, bigger company. Um, and so I was kind of excited about what Google was doing and the potential. Um, so I contacted those guys and uh, those guys. And, uh, and those guys answered. Uh, no, the, so I contacted Google, and they, they were talking about uh, starting a mobile group in London. Um, and originally, I was thinking I want to go to Silicon Valley, because you know, there's a very you know, high concentration of technology and disruption that happens in, in the Valley, and I was sort of attracted to that. But th- they offered a, a role in London where they were starting what we called a mobile focus area uh, to focus on, on mobile services. Um, and so I took that up. Uh, I always thought I would be there for like a year and a half. I ended up spending four years. It was such good fun. Um, and then eventually from there, I moved to, to the U.S. So, uh, quite a trip, but uh, in the background, uh, you were talking about sort of the, the mobile group. Of course, it, it created a, a product that we all know and love as Android. Um, being there pretty much from the ground level, was there this sense of excitement about the place that, you know, mobile phones, mobile everything is going to change, and we're right at the forefront of it? Or was it kind of, we're, in, we're a little niche, you know, blue sky thinking part of the company? It, it, it actually sort of both, really. Uh, you know, it depends where you are. If you were in the little group, uh, we call you know, it's made, you, you would have been very excited. If you're outside the mobile group, you'd be like looking at it, going, "Yeah, I, I can see how mobile might become a big thing." 
Um, and so, so the history really is that, that uh, Larry and Sergey, who are the founders of Google, you know, could, they were sort of foreseeing what was going to happen in computing and the sort of transition uh, to mobile. And so they wanted to make a strategic investment in mobile almost ahead of the time before anyone else going to kind of really realized it, um, which is, you know, classic characteristic of Larry, for example, sort of looking ahead. Um, and so, uh, so we created this mobile focus area, and initially the, the, the goal was pretty, uh, pretty basic. It was like, hey, we've got all these amazing Google services like Google Search or Google Maps or Google Gmail, and it was like, well, can we make these available for phones? Um, and so that was kind of the mission. Uh, it seemed straightforward at the time. Uh, it was actually very hard to do because at the time there was no uh, consistent operating system for mobile phones. So you had G2ME, which is sort of the micro edition of Java, which was very varied in terms of like what capabilities you had. And as a developer, you'd write your app and it pretty much wouldn't work on more than one phone. You'd have to debug each one because it was so badly specified. Uh, there was like Symbian Series 60, which was powering the Nokia smartphones. There was Windows Mobile, which was still early. Um, and so when we were developing these services, it was very, very difficult to, to get them to work very well. Um, and so, you know, we were thinking to ourselves, it's like, well, you know, how do you, how do you, great, how do you create services and make them available to people? And, you know, what's missing? And for us, what, what was missing was an operating system that was so ubiquitous that was completely open to application developers so that you could, you could target, you know, rich applications on it. Um, and, uh, and and something that, that the industry would want to adopt so you could get some breath. Um, and also a platform that people really focused on the developer story. Like, how do you make it really good for application developers? So if you write your app once, it's going to run everywhere. And that's really sort of where the idea of Android was born. And so actually a little bit before my time, Android was a, was a separate company. So it was acquired in 2005. Um, and then it's just started getting momentum uh, within Google. So initially, it seemed like you know, a, a, you know, a, a, an audacious, crazy idea to like create a platform, uh, get mass adoption, and sort of change how we, how, how we, how we develop apps. Um, uh, but you know, a really brilliant team, and a lot of the team are still there. Um, and so, uh, 2008 was sort of the the first milestone, which is launching the the T-Mobile G1. Uh, in the U.S., um, and it was a you know it was a, it was a pretty rich smartphone for its time. It, you know, touchscreen. It also had a keyboard. Uh, keyboards were still in vogue at the time. Uh, um, uh, you know, sort of modern day you know internet desktop class browser, uh, etc. And so, uh, you know, at the beginning, it was very slow. It wasn't obvious that this thing was going to take off, right? It was like, you know, you think of it for the first year, Android was just yet another operating system. And you could, you know, people were commenting at the times like, oh, great, this is just what the world needs is another mobile operating system to tackle. But again, the difference here was it was open source. We were making the source available to anybody to take it and use it with an Apache 2 license, which is very uh, permissive. Um, and it had a very strong focus on, on developers. Um, and, and really, that, those sort of traits have paid off. And now the adoption, uh, you know, is, is, is huge. So today, there's over 1.4 billion active Android devices in the world um, and continuing to grow. Um, and, and for Google, it's amazing because we have now a platform where you know, different teams at Google, whether that's Gmail or Maps or Search, they can all write their applications and get sort of mass uh, adoption across this platform because it's a very level playing field so, uh, that everybody can target. I think it's very interesting uh, when you talk about uh, Android almost from the start being designed to be developer friendly right. that almost from the get-go you're like okay third parties are really what's going to make this operating right. system how did you attain that sort of critical mass or how did how did you think about selling Android to developers to gain a critical mass where you didn't have to go out and pay people from right. the beginning to actually go make something for you 
Well, well, so one of the great things about working at Google is that if you're building Android the platform, you sort of outside of your immediate team, you look around and you've got these world-class people doing, you know, search, right? Or, um, from information retrieval. You've got these world-class people doing geo, doing maps. Uh, you've got these world-class people doing cloud infrastructure. And so it's kind of like being in a, in a, in a sweet shop or candy store, as they would say in America, uh, for, for if you're a platform developer. Because basically what we would do is we would be like, okay, hey, we want to we want to develop fingerprint APIs. Um, hey, um, Google Wallet, Android Pay Team, do you want to, you know, how do we work together. And so basically we were creating APIs initially for all the application services within Google, right? Um, but we were doing it in a principled fashion in the sense that all these APIs are made publicly available, so any company can use them. Um, but it, it, it allowed us to bootstrap the platform very quickly because we could prove things out with, first with Google Apps, then publish the, the APIs publicly, and then third parties could build on top of those, those, those uh, APIs. Um, and then, you know, it's just a very principled approach, you, you know, when we design APIs in Android, and Android. By APIs, I mean application programming interfaces, you know, all the sort of functions and properties and methods that a developer sets to, to control the platform. You know, when, when we do that, when we design those, we have a very principled approach. We have an API council, a centralized group of people that make sure the design is consistent. So if you're a developer and you're, you know, you're writing an application and you're, one minute you want to get the accelerometer to, to use it to, to detect gestures in the game, and the next minute you're invoking some graphics APIs, we want to make sure that those feel like they came from one single person who developed those APIs for you. And so we put a lot of work and thought into that. And then around that is, is all the infrastructure that goes around that's supporting developers. So Android Studio is our development environment, and we're investing. And actually, th- this year, we really ramped up the investment uh, in, in that area. So p- trying to provide world-class tools to help uh, developers write applications, take as much pain out as possible. Um, and then, of course, the Google Play Store is our mechanism where you, as a developer, upload your application and then get distribution across Android. Um, and we try to put a lot of services in there, like crash reporting and analytics, you know, what's going on, payment services, um, uh, et cetera. When uh, looking at the history of Android, you can't not look at the history of iOS at the same time. Um, as somebody that was working in mobile, when you know 2007 rolled around and you yeah. saw the prototype of the, the iPhone, were you like, this is going to be so good for us? I think Apple is amazing at explaining simply technology to people and marketing it. And so, you know, definitely I think uh, uh, when, when they market uh, a product... Um, but when the product is a category, I think everybody benefits, right? So when they were marketing smartphones, they, to a lot of people, they'd never come across smartphones. Like at the time, there were, you know, Nokia and 95s for example, which were pretty sophisticated. They weren't a great user experience, right? That's why you don't see them anymore. But 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 at the time, they were quite state of the art, and so a lot of people wouldn't weren't aware that they wear these phones around, and so Apple actually sort of blew open the category for people because of the, the marketing uh, effort that they put in. So I think that was uh, actually good for everybody. And you see that again with, with, with sort of wearables, right? Uh, you know, the Android Watch, that, or excuse me, the Apple Watch, they put a lot of effort into that. Uh, we have Android Wear. We have like a whole range of amazing uh, watches in the category. We just launched uh, the Tag Heuer last week. Um, uh, everything from that through Sony. But, you know, it, when, when Apple markets, everybody, th- that category, and Apple was later launching Android, uh, Apple, Word, uh, Apple Watch, sorry, uh, jet-lagged. Uh, they were later than us uh, in launching it, but it really actually helps, you know. They, they explain the category. Where it's great. Mm. Yeah, and that, that diversification of product categories has really shown up the flexibility of mobile platforms right. in general. But one criticism... Uh, that comes Android's way every so often is the amount of fragmentation in the market that because there is no standardization in the same way that there is with iOS that it right. can become a problem especially with um, application uh, upgrades right. um, how, do, how do you address that issue? 
Well, well, first, compared to first, you have to understand well, comparing to Apple is not doesn't quite make perfect sense because when you think about Apple, Apple creates an operating system, iOS, for one product, Apple, right? Uh, we we created a operating system platform for the whole world. So we have every single manufacturer from Samsung to HTC to LG, etc., building these devices. And we do have our own devices called Nexus devices. And if you look at those, they behave very similar to an iPhone. They get the updates. They get security patches every month. They get updates probably every quarter. Um, and and actually, they get more frequent updates than probably most iPhones. Um, but that's because it's a vertical. But when you think about the, what you're trying to do with Android, it's probably the biggest federated software platform in the world ever, in the history of the planet, right? Like, if you think about it, no one's ever done a platform at this scale and, and, and sort of made, you know, made it work. Um, and so the, the question then becomes, like, well, first of all, from an application to... And, and the other thing to point out is, is you know, mobile's moving extremely quickly, right? Like, if you look at the rate of advancement in the last five years, it's incredible, right? Um, and so we're constantly evolving the technology, making it better, 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 you know? Like, this year, we added fingerprint APIs. Uh, last year, we added burst mode computational photography APIs. Uh, the year before, we added NFC. Like, we're constantly adding new capabilities. You could, you could consider that's fragmentation, or you could consider that's, like, technology advancement. And so the question, then, for us from, from a platform is, like, how do you make sure that developers can, can target all these different uh, platform versions without their apps breaking. Like, the worst thing you want to do is write an application in, in, in 2013 and then find it stopped working in 2015, right? And so one thing we're very, very, very careful about is making sure we're always forward compatible in how we design the platform. But second of all, we want to make sure that if you write that application and it runs on a Nexus device, we want to make sure it also runs perfectly on a H2C device. And the way we do that is we have uh, what we call the CDD. It's a, a compa- compatibility, compatibility definition definition document, and it's backed by CTS, so like hundreds of thousands of tests that you as a device manufacturer must run to make sure that your, your device is compatible. Um, so that's the first part, like in how you make sure <clears throat> that, that applications run across all existing devices and they run forward in time. Um, the second question is like, uh, how do you get everybody onto the latest version of Android? Right? And there's two, there's two dimensions to that, I think. There's how do you get onto the latest version of security patch updates, which I think is very important. And the second is how do you get onto the latest version, we call it dessert releases, because we release, we, we name them after dessert, the, the Android big releases after desserts in alphabetical order. <clears throat> um, and now for both of those, so on the dessert side, um, one of the things we're trying to do is uh, optimize the, the, the supply chain, if you want to th- think of it that way. So we create the platform, we open source it, then what happens is a silicon vendor like Qualcomm or MediaTek or SLSI take the software, they make it uh, optimized for their particular system on a chip, then they hand it over to an ODM who builds the device, and then an OEM who then customizes the device, and then the carrier who then customizes it again, and finally gets out to the user, right? And so there's this whole, supp- there's this whole chain of events that have to happen before a device gets launched from when we open source the code. So one of the things we're doing, uh, and we've been optimizing, and particularly going into 2016, I think we're going to do a much better job, is giving much earlier access to people in that chain so that we can start the process faster. The goal being that when we launch a new dessert release, we want to see a lot of devices that year coming out with it. Um, And so I think if we do a better job of that, we can... We can bring more of the industry and the latest version as we go. Um, in terms of security updates, uh, we do uh, monthly security patch bulletins. Um, we've sort of shown the way with Nexus by doing uh, monthly releases of, of patches, uh, and, and what we're seeing now is that the rest of the ecosystem is sort of following suit from our example. Um, so you know, so you know, in short, it's 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 uh, it's a you know, Android is just a very different uh, uh, system to to a, p- a particular product vertical. Um, and I think we're we're learning to do better as we go along. Um, you know, today, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
there's a very large percentage of devices on, uh, you know, now activating on, on either Marshmallow or Lollipop, the two latest releases. Um, so it's getting, you know, so I think if you look at as the desserts, the newer desserts are actually getting activated more quickly than previous ones. We're improving, I, you know, but there's still work to do. Yeah, the Nexus line, uh, what's always very interesting about them is that you do get that you know, the first crack at the fingerprint API and, and now payments, uh, which will be yeah. huge as well. Uh, at which point do you find do you find yourself having to go, look, I really wish the other OEMs would catch up on this because otherwise these features, will they will wither on the vine? Pretty much everything we've l- launched has got adopted, right? So, I mean, we don't... Um, I mean, we, we think carefully about the type of features that we launch, right? And, and we try to make sure they all make sense, whether that's, like, the latest Bluetooth low-energy API or fingerprint. Uh, uh, we, it's, it's very rare that we would... I mean, I can't even think of a good example of where we would create a... Android platform capability that only Nexus uses, right? It's, it's, we're trying to use Nexus as a showcase of the very best in Android and the very latest features. Um, uh, but if you take, if you take something like fingerprint, like, you know, the way we approach that, so, so I have a Nexus uh, 6P here. Um, so, so, you know, when we're designing the platform, we can't, we can't just sort of create a feature and then sort of throw it over the fence to the rest of the ecosystem. We have to actually build it into a, a piece of hardware, in our case, Nexus, and actually just live and breathe it for day in, day out, for months, to really perfect the experience. To give you an example, like there's a video I saw on YouTube where they were comparing the Nexus 5X, uh, which is our smaller sort of mid-end new Nexus device, against the iPhone 6S, I believe it was. And they were measuring how quick it was to to use your fingerprint to turn on and unlock your device. And the Nexus 5X was consistently faster than the 6S. And the reason it's faster is that we obsessed over it, right? We had the hardware, and we just, like, we just like turned every little screw and, and, and optimized the hell out of it. And you couldn't do that unless you were actually building a platform and a piece of hardware at the same time. Um, and, but if you look at fingerprint, like, the way we approached it is like, okay, well, step one, what are we gonna, how do we define the hardware abstraction layer at the lowest levels? So we create what we call a HAL interface for fingerprint. And as part of that, we think through the whole security model, right? Like, how do you, so fingerprint has biometric data, so it's, well, or it's, it's actually sort of a set of features re- represented on biometric data. How do you make sure that that's stored in a, in a trusted part of the operating system where it's encrypted and not, it cannot be seen or touched or accessed by any application? So you, know, so you design all that security, then you, you think through the framework logic, then you think through the application programmer interface, the API for the application developers. Then, as I mentioned earlier, we work with our first parties in, in Google. We're like, okay, hey, Google Play Store, it'd be cool if you could use your fingerprint to pay for a purchase. We work with those guys, and, you know, the, and the Play Store will have some feedback uh, to the platform team going, hey, why don't you change the API slightly like this? It would be easier. Then what we do is we, we uh, work with the Android Pay team. We make sure that payments work with fingerprint. Then we do a developer preview of the early version of Android, and we have third-party developers provide feedback, and we work with all the different banks to, pr- to, the, to prove out the, the fingerprint APIs. Finally, then we define the CDD, the, the compatibility definition, and then the CTS test, the compatibility test, to test the fingerprint. And then finally, we find a really good sensor to put into the Nexus device that we're designing, put it all together, and then just like polish the hell out of it for many months and finally launch it. And that's the sort of canonical example to how we develop Android. Um, and you can see that everywhere. What I, I can sort of make that same sort of canonical pattern uh, case in, in terms of camera, or in terms of modem, in terms of Wi-Fi, in terms of, uh, you know, sensors, etc. So uh, it's kind of um, sort of the Nexus is sort of the premium experience. And yes, you kind of have to have um, uh, an awareness that this is sort of the the devices people will end up actually owning mm-hmm. won't have these same capabilities. Mm-hmm. So when you're sort of developing and you know that you can go 
you know, in a certain direction mm-hmm. with a Nexus device. Right. Uh, to what extent are you thinking, well, hang on, not everybody is going to have a Nexus well, I think you know certain features we require. So um, you know when we when we add security features to the platform like file system encryption and the latest version of, of Android, will require it. Like it's assuming your hardware has the right performance capabilities, you must have that capability if you want to be able to license uh, the Google Play Store and use the Android name, right? So 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 we have a way to sort of create a minimum bar of quality for the industry. We're doing that because we want to make sure that, that consumers have the best devices and application developers have a consistent platform. Um, and so that model has worked throughout. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't think there's any features that Nexus has that other devices don't have. Uh, is Nexus the leader in leading in, in features? It, it is sometimes, but you know, Fingerprint, for example, has been around in the Android ecosystem since 2011. I think the Motorola Atrix had it first. Um, but the difference with with this year is that we've added to the platforms and it's now officially supported in the software development kit and now there's a, and by doing so you open up a whole third third party ecosystem of applications that support it which you know brings us back to the core idea of Android. Android's really about enabling an application developer ecosystem matched up with, with consumers, right? And I suppose then just to look at the future of Android, one of the big discussions that we're having at the moment is the convergence of devices, for example, with the Chromebook, where you have a basically a Chrome browser and right. no client OS whatsoever. Right. Um, are we getting to the stage where the idea of mobile first is actually translating onto the desktop, where you will see more desktops running Android, or is there still going to be that you no know, client OS is the way to go here? We're still People still need a fully featured Windows, or maybe you know there is room for an Android alternative. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of exciting to see how the next few years are going to roll out. You know, if you look at, um, uh, there's this fascinating graph that Benedict Evans from Andreessen Harwitz has where he shows sort of, he plots uh, the growth of PCs over time and it's, you know, it's increasing steadily. And then he plots mobile phones, and these are not, not just general mobile phones, not smartphones. And, you know, they've got this crazy exponential growth that started in like 97, 98 uh, but PCs are still growing, right? But then this thing happens in 2007, 2008, which is when the smartphone launches. And the smartphone launches even, you know, its exponents even higher, it's stronger than, than the original mobile phones. But then you, see, then you start seeing something happen which, to the PC line. The PC line stops growing and actually starts diminishing, right? Um, and so he makes the argument that, you know, every, every generation of mobile computing is sort of 10x the previous generation, right? And so, you know, PCs were 10x the scale of mainframes. Mobiles are 10x the scale of PCs. And you know, at each time in that sort of, in those inflection points, you, you, people say, "Oh, this new thing's a toy." Like that PC's a toy. I can't do what my mainframe did. That mobile phone's a toy. I can't do what my PC can do. Um, and so, and each time it's been debunked, right? Like that basically the devices become more specialized for the task at hand, and, and they actually do better. So, like if, if you're using Facebook or Snapchat, actually your mobile phone may be actually a better experience now than the desktop because it's got location aware and it can now do nearby stuff, and it can respond. Facebook can respond to beacons using the Bluetooth Low Energy APIs in Android. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to watch. Um, you know, I think from a but from the category, you know, I think uh, keyboards aren't going away. <laughs> I mean, keyboards for productivity are, are extremely important. I think where we, where we are right now, we're in a world where we're in hybrid land, right? So, um, you know, if you look at what Microsoft's doing with the Surface Book or what Apple's doing with the iPad Pro, at least with the keyboard attachment, it's not they're not so clear on what they're doing. But uh, or what we're doing with the Pixel C, you know, I think there is an opportunity to sort of have the best of both worlds, where you've got sort of keyboards and this sort of more forward-looking mobile operating system. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, definitely an interesting space to watch. Um, you know, I think if you look at iOS or Android, I mean, they were built originally for 
for uh, mobile phones. You know, whereas you look at Chrome OS, it was built for the desktop, and so it's a better desktop operating system, right? Um, what happens over time is is uh, is the uh, is why I have the most fun job, but nothing to talk about right now. And thank you, Dave. Okay, thanks. And that was Google's Vice President of Engineering, Dave Burke, chatting with Tech Central editor, Niall Kitson. And that's it for our special show for this week. Next week, the top 10 stories of 2015 as we roll towards Christmas. In the meantime, remember you can keep in touch with Irish Tech News with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday for you at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On to next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.